Welcome to the Life of Christ Series 5. This is Lesson 19. We're going to begin on page 29 in Chapter 18. And uh, we are looking at the pure in heart. I don't want to rush through this because this is actually one of the most powerful things. There's not a lot of notes on it, but it is one of the key things to moving mountains. Remember again, Jesus said, if you believe in your heart, that's where all the power comes from. You know, a lot of people talk about moving things with their mind. Isn't it interesting Jesus doesn't say that? I want to just share that with you right now. Because I think that's one of the key things that defines and separates us from the world. The world puts such a precedence on the mind. They talk about, you know, mental powers and all of this stuff. Interesting, isn't it? How Jesus never says, if you concentrate a lot, the mountain will move. Are you all with me? I, I, I'm sharing something huge right now with you. Because if you get a hold of this, you'll begin to understand where the lie is. And how the devil works. The devil works with people in their mind. Do you get that? God works with people through their heart. It's a huge thing. And what, if we understand this, then... See, because what, one of the things that we have been asked to develop from, from very, uh, a very young age is our mind. Isn't that... I mean, it's all about your mind. It's, you know, you're learning this, you're learning that. And yes, we're meant to learn. But it's interesting how they put no precedence on the heart. It's, and that's why you know, we end up with a lot of smart people who are very bad. I'm going to say another word, but anyway. Uh, you know, <laughs> and so we have these... And it's interesting how people almost deify that. They say, oh, you know, he's got all these quirks, but he's brilliant. He's brilliant. How many times have we heard that? That brilliance matters more than everything else. Are you all with me? The, I, I wanna, I'm doing this as a beginning to this because I really need you to understand the importance and the power of what we're going to look at today. And even though it's a, a short section, it is key to your moving in the power of God, to miracles in your life, doing the impossible. This is where it all starts. Are you all here? And it's been a bit of a journey. It's taken five Beatitudes to get to this. This is Beatitude number six. Okay, so we're go- coming towards the end of it. And um, you need to understand why this is so far into the Beatitudes. Because once you develop this, then you can do some incredible things. Are you all here? Amen? So with that little introduction, let's start in on this. In Matthew chapter 5, we're looking at verse 8, where it says, Jesus says, and this is Jesus again. He says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I think that is incredible in itself. So not only are you able to move mountains, but you will actually get to the place where you are able to see God. And, and this is more than just see Him, it's perceive Him as well. This is what allows you to sense things out. This is what allows you to go, I don't think God's here. Or in, you know, in some unusual cases, you, know, you walk in and go, God's here. In the most unlikely places. <laughs> Amen? This is that perception as well. Amen? So let's begin here and move down. The pure in heart are people who are transparent in their dealings with God and man. That is really important because a lot of times people have hidden agendas. And we're going to talk about that in just a minute. But, you know, this is a person that what you see is what you get. Is that the term? Okay. There's nothing hidden with them. 
And that's really important. And people are looking for honest people. Honestly, you know. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> See? Okay. All right. Because there's so much deception. You don't know when you're being tricked. And it, it hurts when people do the wrong thing by you. And so we don't want to be that way to other people either. Amen? And so this is the kind of person we're talking about. So he says, the pure in heart are people who are transparent in their dealings. And notice it says, with God and man. It's not just with man, but with God as well. You know, you might say, well, how do you, you know, what is, how does this apply to God? Oh God, if you get me out of this, I will wake up every morning and pray for six hours. Or I will give all my money to the church. Or I will go there and help this, you know. You know what I'm trying to say? And uh, you know, once they happen, you go, oh, well, it was luck. I, I, it's so lucky that it's actually turned out for me. You know, and you move on. And God goes, uh, that was me. That wasn't luck, it was me. Hello. And, and you just want to you know, ignore that voice. So that's the transparency we're talking about as well. Okay. Those who mo- whose motives and intentions are pure and have no hidden agendas. In fact, William MacDonald puts it this way, a pure-hearted person is one whose motives are unmixed. I really like that. See, sometimes people come with mixed motives. People with mixed motives are always kind of fork-tongued. You know what I'm trying to say, okay? There's two things coming out of their mouth. And one you won't hear. Hello? Amen? And so you need to be really careful about people like that. And this is what God is saying. You can't be people like that. Can I tell you why? See, all of this is being covered in this because James said a double-minded person can't receive anything from God. A lot of people think, oh, if they're really smart and they're just slither and slide and, you know, get their way here and there. There's another principle at work. You might get something here, but whatever you sow, you reap. Amen? And uh, I could give you lots of examples, but I, I just want to stay on point here. People that have mixed motives are people who won't be able to move mountains. Because you need to be single-minded, and can I say single-hearted, when you're dealing with things like that. Amen? You can't be mixed in your heart and in your motives whenever you approach something. Some people kind of have a backup plan before they even start something. With God, you need to be careful with that. Now, let me just uh, give you some wisdom here. If you are not sure that you can do something, that your faith isn't up to scratch, then be honest with yourself. Okay? If you need a backup plan because you don't think your faith is up to scratch, but you want to check it out, by all means have a backup plan. I'm, I'm telling you the truth now, okay? But can I just say this? If you're going to walk by faith, you know, try not to do too many of those things, because after a while you'll always have a backup plan. Faith requires you to take a step. And, you know, when things are looking wrong for you to still keep moving forward. Do you understand what I'm saying? The problem with a backup plan is that you keep thinking about it. And, okay, if it doesn't work, you'll go back to it. If you have a backup plan, Satan will do everything he possibly can to get you to fall back on it. Because it's a backup plan. Because he doesn't want you to grow in your faith. Are you all with me? Amen? That's where, um, Again, we're talking about a pure-hearted person. We are talking about pure motives. We are talking about being single-minded. Amen? Not having mixed motives, mixed thoughts, and a mixed heart. Amen? Okay. So, let me get back to this. A pure-hearted person is one whose motives are unmixed, whose thoughts are holy, whose conscience is clean. I love that. Okay? (laughs) 
can I say this as well? If there's ever a question, and I think I deal with this later on, you know, we're going to talk about First John one nine along. Yes, we will. Um, but let me deal with this right now very quickly. If ever you have, you know, if there's something on your conscience, get rid of it. Okay, it takes a moment in time to go to God and say, you know what, God, I'm sorry. Okay, I've done this wrong. Even if your motives were wrong, you might be doing the right thing with the wrong motive. <laughs> okay. Set, you don't want to lose the reward of from, that's coming from that because your motive is bad. You're doing the work already. Why not get the reward? That's my way of thinking. Amen. And if there's anything in there that is compromising it, get rid of it. Can I get an amen on that? Okay, it takes a moment to fix that. Fix it. Hallelujah. All right. The Full Life Study Bible says, The pure in heart are those who have been delivered from the power of sin. That is a very powerful thing. Can, you, can I say that again? The pure in heart are those who have been delivered from the power of sin. They have been delivered from the power of sin. Not from sin, but the power of sin. There's a lot of people that try not to sin and they, you know, they use their will and everything else. But they haven't been delivered from the power of sin. They're just willing themselves out of sin. The power of the thing is still there. Can I use this example? It's kind of like, you know, say you're a little pin. Okay, don't read too much into this. Okay, you're a little pin and somebody comes and puts a magnet over you. Alright, and so you're standing, you know, you're, you're kind of balancing there, and the closer this magnet comes, the more you want to go off the table and into the magnet. That is power. Do you understand? That is the power the magnet is exerting over the little pin. If I was to change that pin into um, something that was not attracted to the magnet, like a piece of plastic. If I, so if the pin changed from, you know, a metal pin to a plastic pin... That little pin has been delivered from the power of the magnet. Do you get this? So it doesn't matter where the magnet is and they could be hanging all right and be like, yeah, not working on me. While the little pin next to you is doing everything to hang onto the table. And the closer the magnet comes, the worse it, you know, the more it's going to start to lift off the table. While you just stand there and go, and? Are you getting this? Amen? That's what this means. Okay. So if you are in the position where sin is like that magnet, if it's got power over you, you need to be delivered from that. Understand that it's not about you having to exercise your will in order to overcome that. It is about you being delivered and turning from a metal pin to a plastic pin, so to speak. Okay, let's move on. So, the pure in heart again are those who have been delivered from the power of sin by the grace of God and now strive without deceit to please and glorify God and to be like Him. One of the things that, you know, we are meant to be like God. We are meant to be, that, that's the reason why I always pray that we conform to the image of Jesus Christ. Remember that Jesus Christ is God. Amen. And the more we become like Him, in a sense, the more we are becoming like God. Amen. And you know, that is not something that the religious world cringes at that. Isn't it interesting? They're like, oh no, there's God over there and this is us over here. It's their way of saying, you know, leave us in our filth. We want to do stuff without having to apologize for everything and say, well, we're just human and use that excuse for everything. <laughs> okay? Stop it. All right? Because it sounds, you know, sounds humble on one side, but it's actually a way of taking away everything the cross did. The cross delivered us from the power of darkness 
and the power of sin and everything that went with it. I mean, it delivered us from that. And, you know, we, we watch that. I mean, you can't watch that movie more than once, you know, you know the, the Passion of Christ or whatever. And we see all the pain and everything, and we still don't get it. That wasn't about him suffering. That was about a steep price that was paid so that you can go free. It was a very steep price. Now, you know, I won't say anything about that. I need to move on. Okay. All right. But you need to understand something that a price was paid. This wasn't for free. And since a price was paid, then it is up to us. We have an obligation to walk in it the best that we can. Amen? Amen. And in the grace of God. Remember again, it's being delivered by the... uh, Excuse me. Those who have been delivered from the power of sin by the grace of God. Amen? All of it is by grace. Hallelujah. Uh, We're going to go to Psalm 24 and verses 4 and 5. Because it perfectly, perfectly describes the pure of heart. When it says, he who has clean hands, this is she as well, by the way. Okay, I'm sorry, it's it's in the mail here. But he or she who has clean hands and a pure heart. Clean hands talk about the outward. Pure heart talks about the inward. God is talking to people, you know, through this psalm and saying, I need your outside life and your inside life to both be clean. Amen? And this is the, there's a promise here. He says, "He who has a he has clean excuse me, he who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol nor sworn deceitfully." Now, when we read all that stuff, you know, our brain kind of goes off somewhere. But can I just talk to you about idols for just a minute? Idols can be anything. An idol is anything that you give your attention to. All right, it can be a newspaper. Okay, in place of God. So, you know, the newspaper says, everything is going wrong. The Bible says, God shall meet your need according to His riches and glory. And you go, oh no, I can't believe that, because the newspaper is saying, everything is going down the drain. We're in trouble. Ah, okay. <laughs> Sorry, I don't have a lot today. Okay, <laughs> okay. But that is an idol. We need to just watch out for those things, because, you know, we, we kind of think, oh no, I don't go worship any idols, you know, to temples or anything like that. Hey, you don't have to. There's enough at, in the house... Anything that the devil can use to draw you away from God can become an idol. Now, don't get all you know, concerned about this and go, Oh my gosh, I've got to throw... Don't, don't do that. Okay, please don't do that. I'm just saying, it's, it's, not as, it's not a religious thing. It's an everyday thing that we just need to watch out for. If we put God and His Word first, then regardless of the other things in your house, none of those things will become idols because God and His Word come first in your life. Do you understand? Okay, moving on. So again, he says, Who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully. We know what that means, okay? Verse 5, He shall receive, watch this, He shall receive, or she shall receive, blessing from the Lord. And righteousness from the God of his salvation. Notice the two things that you receive. You don't only receive blessing, but you receive righteousness from God. I think that is a huge thing. Because what is righteousness as a, uh, a piece of armor? It's your breastplate. It protects your heart. Interesting, isn't it? Okay. And as, as, soon as, as, as long as you have that righteousness, I'm sorry, okay, I'm doing the best here. As long as you have that righteousness, it will protect your heart. Because your heart is the thing that moves mountains. Amen? Okay. All right. Now, to give us even further insight into... The pure in heart. I'm over the page. Leon Morris explains that in Scripture, 
The heart stands for the whole of our inner state. Thought and will as well as emotions. Did you get all of that? Okay. The heart stands for the whole of our inner state, thought and will as well as emotions. And is the determining factor of the moral and religious condition of the man. Let's stop there for a minute. Okay. Everything on the inside, your thought, your will, okay? See, a lot of people, I don't know, I don't know whether you, you hear this very often now, but in the old days, <laughs> my old days, dear Lord. Anyway, uh, there was a time, in the old days, okay, that people said, oh, God just wants to break you. Who's heard that one? You know, they, he, just, he needs you broken. And only when you're broken, then will you come to Him and will you be any used to Him. When you're broken, you're no use to anybody. Okay? This is telling us something very, very important. That God wants you to decide to submit your will to Him. He doesn't want it broken. He needs it in submission. Remember we talked about this before. What do we, remember the racehorses, the meek ones? Okay? That's what we're talking about. He is not looking for broken people. He's trying to fix people, not the other way. Amen? And I think that's really one of the things that, you know, we, because we've preached it, people have thought, well, until they're broken, they can't come to God. Just, they've just got too much will. to, And they say that, you know, they say, well, preacher, I just got too much will to come into the kingdom, you know, because I, I want to live my life my way. And, you know, I want to do something with my life, not just, you know, have a crutch all my life. Sort of. it's, the, it's the mentality. And we gave them that. We drove them towards that instead of saying, hey, man, God needs warriors. Are you one of those or are you going to wimp out? <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm trying to say? If that was the case, we'd get more of those coming in. Amen. Anyway. That's what God is looking for. Alright? The whole of our inner state. The, that's inner state, not interstate, okay? Thought and will, as well as emotions. And that is another key thing. You know, understand something. You know, it's okay for you to be emotional. Just don't be emotional about the wrong things. At the wrong time. Are you all here? We need to be in the place where we know how to control our emotions. And you know, we should be the, the people that are really setting the, the bar on this. Honestly, you know, sometimes I look at Christians, not you here, okay? <laughs> I, I see Christians and I feel like they're the most feely, touchy people on the planet. And if things don't work out and they get all offended and upset and everything else, it's the wrong emotion, family. That's not what we're looking for. We are looking for the kind of emotion that when somebody is coming against you, you still love them regardless. And you do it with, a, with not just your will, because I'm going to love you, so I'm going to love you. Not that kind of love, okay? <laughs> but a kind of love that comes from the heart. Amen? And it's that kind of love that people will respond to as well. So those are the kind of feelings we're talking about. Are you with me? Alright, let's move on. Let me reread this again. So again, the heart stands for the whole of our inner state, in, uh, thought and will, as well as emotion, and is the determining factor of the moral and religious condition of the man. The moral and religious condition, your whole, the way that you approach life and the things that you do in life should be determined by this. Amen? Okay. This beatitude thus leads us to purity at the very center of our being. Boy, this is such a key thing. Purity at the very center of our being. 
Okay. The heart is not the place where we naturally expect purity, but Jesus demands purity right there. To be pure in heart is to be pure throughout. Oh, hallelujah. Amen? Okay. He concludes by saying that the pure in heart see God in a way that the impure never know. Hallelujah. And, you know, let me just say this. What this means is that you begin to understand how God would approach a certain situation or see a certain person or deal with a certain situation. Do you understand? That's what this, this is, you know, so many people view things from their perspective and how they feel. And, you know, you know this is what, I, I wouldn't do that, you know, that sort of a thing. But we are not the sort of people that consider ourselves before God. We consider God before ourselves. And we might, we might start by saying, I wouldn't do that, but God, you'd want me to do it. <laughs> you know? So that's why we're weird to the world. You know, we're, we're looking at First John on Sunday, and we're going to see something, if I can get to it, in the latter half of verse uh, 1 in chapter 3, First John chapter 3, 1. You know, it says that the world doesn't know us because it doesn't know Him. And it doesn't know us on so many levels. It doesn't understand us. It doesn't get the things that we do. We do, you know, we do things that the whole world would go, well, I'd never do that. Well, that's why <laughs> you're the world. And I can't know, but you never say that. But, you know, because our motivations, we are driven by God. We are driven by something inside of us that is pushing us because we understand certain principles, things that they have no knowledge of. We understand things about sowing and reaping. We understand that, you know, we're, to, you know, uh, um, we are to basically do the opposite of what the world would do in a lot of situations because we understand what the devil is up to in what is going on and that we don't want to get involved in that thing. Are you all with me? And that I'm being very broad, okay? But I think you understand what I'm saying here. Okay. So, that's, that's what we see. When it says that we can see God, we can see how God would work. Remember Jesus said, I don't do anything that I don't see my father doing first. See, he had a pure heart and he would see how God would work. And so he would follow after that. The religious leaders were up in arms for the things that he did. You can't heal somebody on the Sabbath day. And yet he said, everything I do is what I see my father doing. Which means they're seeing something that is ungodly while he is seeing what God would do. Isn't that interesting? Which is the reason why he said, you are of a father, the devil, because that's what they see. They see things from the devil's point of view, whereas Jesus kept seeing things from God's point of view. And they will always be in opposition to each other. And it's very sad that some of our greatest uh, foes, some of our greatest opposition, will come from the church. Mm. You know what I'm saying? (sighs) Anyway. In In fact, William Hendrickson says that their heart... The very mainspring of dispositions as well as of feelings and thoughts is in tune with the heart of God. I really like that. Can I say that again? Their heart, the very mainspring of disposition as well as feeling, feelings and thoughts, is in tune with the heart of God. That's what we are meant to be, in tune with God's heart. Our heart is meant to be in, tunes with, in tune with His heart. So it shouldn't be a big thing that, you know, when we feel to do something, I know Emily is sort of, oh, sorry, I'm just going to use that as an example very quickly. You know, she gets things on her heart to do. And, you know, it comes from that heart of God. It's like whatever God's heart is, she tends to have that, and she'll tend to gravitate towards that, you know. 
And that's the kind of, and it's not something that anybody tells her to do. It's just something that just springs up from the inside of her. And she'll go, I think I need to do this. (laughs) And I'm like, go go for it. Just go ahead. You know, and, and, and that's the heart of God. And, you know, each one will have a different heart to do different things. Amen. You know, my heart is to minister the word of God. Now today would have been a good day for me just to cancel. But my heart is to do this. Because I want you guys to be blessed. And I don't want you to miss out on that. And so I feel like, you know, each one, that's why I said stay in your anointing. Amen. Each one of you will do things that other, in normal uh, circumstances a person wouldn't do. Because there's anointing there. Are you with me? And that's God's heart in you beating. And you follow that. Hallelujah. All right. Uh, where was I? Okay. Hence, it is not really surprising to read that the pure in heart shall see God. Because their heart is in tune with God. And that is the essence of their blessedness. I really love that. One of the things that this brings out is that the blessing that you receive is to actually see and understand God's heart. That in itself is a blessing. You know, to be... While so many other people are saying, oh, I don't know what God would, you know. You know when the, the times that you say, I don't know what to do in this situation? You know what you're really, in a sense, if you just take that back far enough, the question that you're asking is, I don't know what God would do in this situation. Because whatever He would do, that's what you'd want to do. You know, you know, amen on that. You know what I'm trying to say? Okay, all right. Because we still I have this old saying of what would Jesus do? Well, nobody knows Jesus that well. <laughs> you know? So they do what they think he would do, not what he would really do. Some of the stuff that Jesus does would surprise you. This is the reason why he said, study my life. Because we really need to know what he would do. And part of his life, this teaching is coming from his heart. Amen? And why we want to go through this. So... <clears throat> Again, it says here, the pure in heart shall see God, and that is the essence of their blessedness. Often, um, might finish in the next two minutes because we're almost there. Often, the pure-hearted will gravitate. We'll do this scripture and stop here. Will gravitate towards those who are similar in nature for obvious reasons. Interestingly enough, the apostle Paul actually advises Timothy to do this in Second Timothy chapter two and verse twenty-two. I'm reading from the New Living Translation here. When he says, run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Good advice. Follow anything that makes you want to do right. Fantastic. And pursue faith and love and peace. He says, pursue these things. Do you understand pursue? It means they won't come and fall on you. <laughs> okay? You need to pursue these things. You need to go after these things. He says, so he says, stay away from youthful lust. Follow anything that makes you want to do right. Pursue faith and love and peace. Gives you a bit of a hint here what to pursue. And enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. You know, it is a powerful thing when you have friends that lead you in the right direction. You don't realize, you know, we've heard peer pressure. We have no idea how the devil uses that. If you put yourself in a bad group, how he will use their wisdom, the wisdom of the world, to draw you away from God and draw you away from things that you would never have done in the past, and suddenly you find yourself doing it and liking it, and now you're used to it. And now you have to break away from that. Do you understand? That's why it is so important 
that you surround yourself with people of like faith. Amen? Because that way, they will pray with you, they will stand with you, and when you're having a moral dilemma, they're not going to go, oh, well, don't worry about it, we do it all the time. Won't be their answer, okay? They'll be like, stand for what is right. You know you don't want to sow that seed. Amen? And whatever you do for God, He will bless you back a hundredfold. Hallelujah. Let's stop there and continue in just a moment with session two.